1 Corinthians 15, verses 57 to 58. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, immovable, always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless. Work well for the Lord. For you know, you should know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Amen. This is the word that the Lord has brought to us this morning. And the one giving us the message this morning is none other than the Papa of the House, Reverend Dr. Fred Degay. Glory be to God. Let's give the Lord, the resurrected Lord, a big round of applause. Oh, praise you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord, for giving us a testimony that we can sing about, that we can shout about. Hallelujah. Welcome to Resurrection Sunday. Hallelujah. I don't know if you feel like the way I feel. I know you possibly cannot feel the way I feel like. Last year, we couldn't meet together. For Resurrection Sunday, lockdown. To make matters worse for some of us, we're not only in lockdown, but we're locked down in the epicenter of Corona City, New York City, where people were dying left and right. But on that day, they shattered all online records for church attendance. The Catholic Bishop of New York said online, there were one million Catholics. They don't normally go to church like that, but everybody knew they needed a savior. And not just a savior, not just a religious leader, but the one who died, who was buried, who rose again and lives forever. I welcome you in his name. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Master, we are before you with thanksgiving because of what you and only you can do in our lives. Our testimony is that without you, we are nothing. But with you on our side, we have everything. And we can testify about your resurrection because we serve a risen Savior. May your words come through me to your people that together we will be rekindled in our love and service for you. This we ask in Jesus, our Lord and Savior's name. Amen. Today we'll be looking at the topic, the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I will focus on the two verses of 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. And my aim is to rekindle your zeal and your love for Jesus and to give you some historical facts for you to believe that Jesus lives. Now, for outline, 
a very simple outline, a very simple that helps us to see that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is history. I'll not try to prove it to you uh, because if somebody doesn't believe that J.J. Uh, Rawlings ever lived in Ghana or Tamils ever lived or President Krumah ever lived, all that they need to do is to visit a cemetery and they'll find a tomb there. But unlike Jesus, they occupy their tomb. So the resurrection is history. The resurrected Jesus has worldwide followers, disciples. Thirdly, we see the question that provoked 1 Corinthians 15 and still provokes a lot of discussions in the light of cremation and expensive funerals and fire disaster. How can the dead be raised? Number four, we see that Jesus died and rose again. And people are following him. But he has demands on us. And we'll look at a few. He promises those who follow him zealously will have rewards. And what are some of those rewards? The resurrection is history. The year was 1981. I had joined church staff about six months. Then I saw a letter on my table. You are invited to Israel for a summer course. May, June, July. I looked at it. I didn't know where it came from. And I was asked to report to the Israeli embassy. I went there. The man asked me, who are you? I said, the letter says I'm Fred Digby. Are you? Yeah. Where do you serve? And I told him. He said, no. When I say, who are you? Uh, I'm confused about you. Three letters. Three offers. One that the Israeli embassy should pay for me to come to Israel free. The second one, that I should pay half price. And the third one, that if I go and come, I should pay. Which one do I want? The first offer. I say, the first one. Then he said, if he makes a mistake, will I pay? I said, sir, I'm on national service. If we can talk about terms of payment, I would pay. So he said, okay, fine. To fast forward the story, about almost two months into the trip in Israel, I met him in a supermarket. So I went there, sir, sir. He said, look at me, who are you? He said, I'm from Ghana. I said, I'm Fred Digby. He said, Fred what? He said, I'm the one you paid for me to come here. Sir, I'm enjoying myself. So he said, forget it. They have transferred me. Forget about it. You won't pay anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so I spent, fully paid for. So I spent almost three months in the land of Israel, studying in the Hebrew University on Mount Scopus. I didn't go there as a tourist. And some of the things that I learned there, have stuck with me since 1981. Since then, I've been back there twice. Now, so when I say the resurrection is history, I went there, I was on chest I was a believer. But I went there with the raving and craving minds of a freshly graduated lawyer, looking for all types of evidence, whether this faith is real or not. And when I came back, Somebody asked me to go back and read a book called 
who moved the stone? By another lawyer. When I read it, I said the guy was right. Now give us a slide. I'll just show a few slides and I'll come to it. In Israel, you may not see it very well. Well, I may not see it very well here, but you can see it better here. There's a place called a garden tomb. It is left like this. People go and visit. I encourage you, Christians are not to go to Israel so I take them to heaven. But if you are like our Nigerian brethren, when you go and come back, you add JP to your name, Jerusalem Pilgrim. So you can give me Fredegbe, JP, 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 three. All right. So you can add JP to your name. The tomb is like this. It's still there. That's how they used to bury. And the tomb like this, Jesus would have buried in it. I'm told I'm about so many feet away from you, so I can stop mumbling. Now, it's there. You can see it. Unlike the people I mentioned earlier on, wherever you go in Israel, or anywhere they are acting even a play about Jesus, you will see an empty tomb. Now, the next slide shows you what happened historically and artistically when Jesus was put, when he died and was put there. You may not see it very well, but the artist is showing us three types of defenses against a dead man. Number one, the man is dead and is in the tomb. If he's not even dead, he's in a coma, Romans put him there. It is sealed with that huge stone. If you know their burial customs and they tie you, how you, with your hands tied, can push that stone, be one. But across it, there's a bar with the seal of Pontius Pilate, not to be broken. And the tomb was guarded by at least 50 soldiers. Because in Matthew's account, and the account all over is that this man says, when I die, I'll resurrect again. And they believe that his disciples will come and steal him. So let's make sure, or to speak Ghanaian English, assurance double sure, that the man is dead and remains there forever. But on that Sunday morning, Sunday morning. On the resurrection morning, God didn't need any soldiers. He didn't need any hammer, any chisel. The angel just rolled the stone away. The stone was not rolled away for Jesus to get out. The stone was rolled away for skeptics, doubters, and unbelievers to go in and see that he's not there. And what did not belong to him, the cloth in which he was wrapped, was there. And he had come out of it. You are wondering what happened. On that site today, says the church called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. There's a diagram. You can go and see some of these things on Google Maps. On the site... There is a church called the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And tradition has it that that church is built around the burial place of Jesus, where he died, where he was buried, and where he, was, he resurrected. And today, I checked it yesterday, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is one of the most visited churches in the world. When you go there, you may not like what you see. Because over the years, people have visited there. 
And the churches that occupy that are six denominations. Roman Catholic, Armenian, Coptic, Syrian, all the Orthodox churches who like burning incense and frankincense. So the place, if you are like me and you go there, you may start sneezing. This church was built on the site by Constantine around the year 325 AD when he, the Roman governor, became a Christian. Because he became a Christian, he said, go to the Holy Land and look for all the places where you have the story about the Jesus, where he was born, where he grew up, where he did what and what and what. And because he had the power of the past, there are churches there. And this church has been standing there up to now. That's what I'm saying. It is history. If you have a problem, you check it out. It's there for you to see. Unfortunately, it is not the seeing that converts people. It is the belief in what happened, who has risen from the dead, and what he came to do. That knowledge, that miracle, that brings people to Christ. But as we move on, the fact that he died and rose again has been preached over 2,000 years. And what has been the impact? Today we are gathered here, we maybe are about 100 or 200 and 300. Let me show you the impact of this resurrection on the world religious scene. You look at a chart like that, gathered by the Pew movement or the Pew research. The resurrected Jesus has worldwide followers. In terms of the Christian faith, compared to the other religions, it has the largest number of followers and or believers, including somewhere in the church who go to church once a month or once a year, once Christmas, once Easter. But when you ask them who and what are you, they'll say we are Christian. Now compared to the others, look at it. Christians 2.38 billion. We are talking about billions. This is 2015 statistic. Muslims 1.8 unaffiliated 1.2 Hindus and the last one if you can see it, what's the last one there? Jews his own people when you read John 1 12 he came to his own people but they did not receive him but as many as received him he gave the power to become the children of God last week I preached on Jesus' entry to Jerusalem was it a time of joy or a moment of tears and sorrows. Because they did not catch the moment of their salvation. They are technically still waiting for the Messiah. And because of that, others have left them. Those who see and know the power of Jesus are worshipping him. But the Lord knows how to deal with his own people. And I'm saying, if you are here today, if you like to follow the majority, follow the majority. The worldwide testimony of somebody from that obscure village, that small, tiny land, it is still a small, tiny land up to today. How it can have an impact? It can only have an impact because he died, he rose, and he lives again. And in his name, there are signs and wonders and miracles and missionaries 
and funds and songs and all kinds of things being sent out in his name. And may you be that, may you be that story, part of that story in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now some ask, how was he raised? Because the belief of the Christians in the early days was not only the fact that Jesus was raised, but they came to believe that they themselves would be raised. In fact, it gave them so much courage that they didn't fear any death at all. As they say in the every language, a dead goat fears no knife. To wit, a dead goat. So, I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live. Paul went to Corinth and preached about the resurrection of Jesus. And he was so convinced about it. Why? Because he personally thought that Jesus had died. But while he was marching on the way to Damascus, somebody who was dead arrested him. And he learned to appreciate that power forever. For the people in Corinth, they thought, how is this possible? Because for them, oh, what are we made out of, brothers and sisters? What, what are we made out of? From Genesis, we are made out of what? Clay. Eh? And when we die, they put us in that tomb, whether it cost $50,000 or 200 cities, they say dust to dust, ashes to ashes, and what? Earth to earth. So they said, how, how is it possible? Because in their philosophy, and some are there up to today, when you die, you disintegrate. So they said, look, this earth, as you literally live in this world, you are actually eating somebody's dead body. Oh, don't squeeze your face on me. Yeah, 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 yeah. don't squeeze your face on me. And they may be true, technically true. It is said that Roger Williams, one of the founders of Rhodes Island in the, in the U.S., when they went to dig his grave, to rebury him, they found out that an apple tree had actually made its way, the root had made its way to the man's tomb. And it had one of the most delicious apples that people flocked to go and eat. Hallelujah. So, how is it? Now, if you ever seen archaeologists and they dig and you see all kinds of things under the earth, my brother and my sister, earth to earth, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. If you ever see human being left, not buried, or any live animal left, not buried, and they begin stinking, and the house flies come to do their job on it, after a while, you wonder where it is. If you want to know where they really are, you may see the bones or ask Professor Redu what happens to those people. I remember the first time going to a mortuary, uh, not, not me, going to a, a, a lab where they were handling bodies and they said hold it and I held it and I said ah what is this they said he was like you I said okay thank you and so they said that oh are you saying that Jesus or the resurrection is able to gather us together like a broken pot and fix us the Japanese are so skilled in fixing pots that when your pot is broken your flower vase is broken you give it to them they will fix it and fix it with gold so it becomes even more expensive than the original. Is that what resurrection means? And Paul said, no, that is not what resurrection means. It doesn't mean that. So then what does it mean? There are people today who do not believe in the resurrection because people are being cremated. It is possible 
that three or four hours after this, I'll be on the sea in Tema, throwing the ashes of my dear friend, Dr. Tedie, into the seas. He died in Taiwan, and they brought some of the ashes to Ghana. So if you throw it into the sea, what happens? There are people who are worried about cremation, are worried about that. Well, let me tell you. The resurrection is a miracle. So if you try to understand it and you doubt it, it means you think God is your classmate and whatever he says, you must logically understand it and apply it. But when they talk about the resurrection, the word used is anastasis. Paul says the resurrection, anastasis, it is not a resuscitation of a dead body. Somebody is dead and you bring the person back to life. Then you see his nose is this and that. No. But technically, you are being given a new body. There may be a semblance of the old and the new, but the new is qualitatively different. How come that on the Mount of Transfiguration, before Jesus died, he took the apostles, the disciples, to go and see something. And they were so excited. They saw Moses, they saw Elijah, and they saw Jesus conversing. How could they recognize them? Who were they and what were they? A different body. They had been dead for long, but how did they recognize them? And they were just wondering. Well, to make matters easier for them to understand. When, on a Sunday like this, in the evening, after the resurrection, they themselves were gathered because they heard that Jesus had died and they were shaking because some of the women had seen him and others had seen him and some were doubting it. All of a sudden, behind their closed doors, he entered. Peace be unto you. So what? Who is this? Yes, my body. Look at the nails in my hand. Look at it on my side. Look, it is me, no, no one else. And he struck them that he is the one. You see, so it is not difficult for you and I, it is difficult for you and I to try and understand it. But there are enough examples in the Bible to show you that it is real. The Lord knows what he's talking about. You believe it and it governs your life or you don't believe it and you keep living and deceiving yourself. Now, Jesus did not come here to die for himself. The word of God is clear that he came to die for you and I. He resurrected so that we would also resurrect. God's idea, the original idea, as prayed by the theologian Reverend Dr. Durabote in her prayer, that in the Garden of Eden, man fell. But in another Garden of Gethsemane, God offered his son who obeyed the father to the letter. So what we lost in Gethsemane, what we lost in Eden will be restored by Gethsemane so that we may live and live forever. And that's what he did for you and I. And so when you come to him, he gives you the power to become the child of God, to become the son and the daughter of God. And one of the things that you should know and understand and believe is that the one who died for you has given you a gift. When you receive him, the gift that he gives you 
is a gift that will last always. Because now your spirit's person has now been reconciled with God. And God's original plan has been put in motion. You will still live in this world. You will go through all the troubles and all the struggles of this world. The pain, the toil, you experience corruption, coronavirus and cancer and all these other things. They are part of it. But you are only passing through. But you will not die. You will live forever. And so, when all this, when, therefore when the Christians were being confused and Paul wrote them this, he said, look, those who do not understand, they don't understand something. What they don't understand is this. When you plant a seed, you plant a coconut seed. After a while, something germinates. A long time to come, you see coconut. When you plant orange, you see something. It takes a while. It's the same seed that the tree came out from, but the fruit is different. And since you believe this, let me tell you, the kind of burden that the resurrection puts on you. Ghanaians must begin to understand that there's no free lunch. Hello, there's no free lunch. If say Jesus died to set us free, or your electricity is free, the COVID vaccination is free, lunch is free, somebody is paying for it, and somebody has an expectation of you, and Christ has an expectation of his followers. So, in verse 57, it said, since you have these promises, since you have been raised, since you are Christian, since you came to Christ, since he did so much for your sake, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord. What does he mean by that? Be steadfast. You know, sometimes languages are used, and if we do not take time to even break it down, it makes it very difficult for us to appreciate what exactly the Lord is telling us. He's telling us that there is going to be a resurrection. And in that resurrection, you and I will be raised. And therefore, we must be steadfast, immovable. What does it mean to be steadfast? Very simple English word. But that word means you must continue in him. Continue in believing in him. Steadfast. Be sure you know where you are going. Steadfast. Be firm in your conviction, fixed, purposeful, and faithful in following the Lord. The thing that he wants you to do, be steadfast in following and in doing them. Hallelujah. If he has given you a gift, given you a ministry, be steadfast in doing that. Secondly, be immovable. It means not to be shaken or disturbed by the things you hear around you. Because they will come, they will shake you. Corona will shake you, church will shake you, politics will shake you. All kinds of things will shake you. But remain steadfast, immovable. Don't move. And when you are being moved, ask him for grace. Ask him for mercy. And that is part of the beauty for being in fellowship with each other. That when you are flagging in zeal, you hear somebody tell you, press on to victory. Be steadfast, be immovable. Then he says, always abounding and laboring in the Lord. Big words. Always abounding. Be God's principle for us is to be faithful. Faithfulness. Full of faith. Always abounding. Doing what God wants you to do. 
you may fall, but rise again. In God, there's nothing like retirement. You may retire from office, but there's nothing like retirement from ministry. Until the last bones are gone, you do not retire. You ask Accra Great Olympics. They will tell you. They were down for some long time. I have some friends who were believers in the Olympics. They had given up. But recently, I just found out they are on top of the league. Telling you that the phobias may say what they want to say, but only that they, they can come back. And that's what should be you and I as Christians, I believe. Laboring. There's a word there, laboring. Laboring means working to the point of sweat. There are some of us who like comfortable Christianity. Easy, believ easy believism. It says always laboring, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What are you laboring for? How are you laboring in the Lord? How much time do you give to the Lord's service? What are you complaining about? May the Lord help you because he expects that the energy, the gifts, the talents he's giving you, you must bear fruit and be fruitful. Then he ends up with what I see here. The resurrection in glory comes with rewards. God is not unjust, Hebrews 6.10, that he will not reward us. He has promised us rewards. And you find that in this verse, 1 Corinthians 15.58, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord, because you will receive your reward. Two stories. There was this man who was serving on a certain committee. He was a very hardworking military officer with all kinds of decorations. So as I say, you've done very well for yourself. Say, I've been working very hard, and I want to tell you the secret. He said, you see, in the army, you can be serving, but there's a certain rank. When you get that rank, then you enjoy because you enjoy your full salary, you enjoy your pecs, your this. So all the work that I'm doing, I'm doing it so that I get that post. So when he got it, he said, yeah, Fred, rejoice with me. I got it, I got it, I got it. I said, then what next? He said, the next one, the next one is what I'm aiming at. The next one, beyond that rank where I'll get this, the next one is purely political. Somebody looks at you and appreciates what you've done and decides, instead of being an army officer, go to somewhere to be an ambassador, go to this. And then you really, really enjoy. So I said, oh, so all that toil you are having in the army is not for nothing. He said, ah, it is motivation. It is a destination. And it is bringing the best out of me because I can do it. If they didn't have those conditions of service, none of us would be non-commissioned, would be officers because it is difficult. The things I've gone through, they are difficult, but I'm enduring that when I become a kennel, a full kennel, that's what he said. And I've become a kennel, I've gone on and on and on, and where I've reached now, unless they post me. And I said, wow, he got it. And his hard work took him to where he wanted to go. He said, Fred, you see, I'm not just in the army blowing hot air. I'm a Christian, and I'm trying to prove that when I do my best, even my laws in this nation will see it. I said, oh, thank you. Another one. Right. In the Supreme Court, in, 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 the, in the judicial system of Ghana, let me just take the Supreme Court. That one, at least I know a little bit about it. If you do not serve, or if you serve for 10 years, you retire on all your nice, nice, nice benefits. Hello. 
if you serve less than that, then you are doing national service. You are doing for country. So some of us were concerned when a gentleman in this room was offered that position. And we know his age because we are our age men. So you will not get to 10 years. So what is the point? So well, sometimes it is good to serve God and country. And sometimes your country can decide that no matter what you do, how much you serve, how long you serve, once you have not met those 10 years, you won't get it. So, one, so sometimes I look at them and say, so these people who are working, who will not even get 10 years to restart on full salary, look at all the headache they are giving them and all the names they call them. But that's, that's a different conversation. All I'm saying is that in the world, there are conditions of service. There are perks. There are rewards for those who do hard work, who meet the criteria, who meet the condition. And the Lord, the Lord we serve, the resurrected Lord we serve, who has attributes to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord, is not unfair. He gives you and I an idea of the rewards. It is mentioned in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap the harvest if you do not give up. Take the another one, Revelation 3, 11. Revelation 3, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown away from you. The Bible talks about at least five different crowns, and I end with that. And so, like my friend who was aiming at getting to a certain rank and beyond that getting somewhere, talks about the crown, the crown of rejoicing for those who win others to Christ. This is something called the soul winner's crown. Are you toiling for the Lord in the vineyard, winning souls? He has a crown for you. And he doesn't shy from telling you. First Thessalonians 2, 19. If you want a first class, if you want to do it something, you know what to do to get it. If you want it, the Lord says, I have the anointing for you. Aim for it and you'll get it. The crown of righteousness for those who look and love Christ's return. They look and love for it. Like I was saying last week, it, they are mourning because the things in this world are wicked. And they are praying, they are interceding. Lord, come soon. And they are not doing because they are sleeping. They are doing because they are feeling that this is our Father's world. And whatever they can do to make it better, they are. That's the reality of the resurrection, knowing that they will resurrect. Third one, the crown of glory. For those who faithfully teach and preach the word of God. Whether it is nice or not nice, whether you like it or don't like it, they do it faithfully. Yes, there are charlatans who can twist scripture and do all kinds of things. God knows what he will give them. But he has said, for those who preach and teach and serve me faithfully, there's a crown for them. Two more. The incorruptible crown. For those who run a good race in the Christian life. Those who are not starters. They start and they finish. They start and they finish. And that's the, like the Olympics one. You start and you finish. They give you gold, platinum, crown, something. The Lord is using these worldly terms to say, press on to victory. Tell somebody, press on to victory. Run for your crown. Let the resurrection power be available to you. And the last one, the crown of life. This is for those who suffer for the name of Christ, especially those who lay down their lives for him. They receive the crown of life by being faithful to the Lord. The martyrs, the missionaries, those who are killed, their life is not wasted. 
my good friend. The reality is history. The fact that he died and rose again is history. The, and so what is what I'm telling you. It's what he's telling us. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord because your labor will not be in vain. Two reactions. If you know him as your Lord and Savior, will you recommit yourself to the task? Two years ago, on Resurrection Sunday, we commissioned some people to be evangelists. Are you here? Please stand. I pray for you, rededicate you. On midnight, I prayed for you and sent that link to you that we prayed for. We are the evangelists. Those who were trained two years ago, that they have the gift of evangelism in Shiashi and Adabraka from their platform. You see, some may not have read it because at midnight they were sleeping and up to now they have not even gone there. But at midnight I was praying and praying with you and praying for you. Stand, let me see you. Where are you? You see, some of them may even have forgotten that two years ago they stood up and said, the Lord has granted them a gift. But I'm saying the resurrection power is available to recommission, to reconnect you to the source. So for you who read and who didn't read, it doesn't matter. But if you stood up that two years ago, Lord, you see these servants. Not only them, but I use them as proxy of those who say you have, been, you have called them to be pastors, teachers, evangelists for your service. We rededicate and commit them to your service. That they will experience your power and your glory in all things. Hallelujah. Amen. Stay blessed and be filled with the Spirit. Please be seated. Secondly, do you know him as your Lord and Savior? Do you know him? Because he died to set you free. He died that you may have life and have it in abundance. Whether you believe it or not, it doesn't change anything. When you sleep and you are tired, so tired that tomorrow you wake up and you think it's 5 a.m., the watch may be telling you it's 8. You better believe the watch. You come to Jesus today as your Lord and Savior. He's still calling people to himself. Will you come? Will you come? Let's bow our heads in prayer. The resurrection, he told Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only and only son, that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe in him? He says, he will raise up everybody, some to glory and some to shame. Will he raise you up for glory because of the crown that you have won by using his power that dwells within you? Or shame because you are not walking with him? If today you want to make that decision for him, to receive him as your Lord and Savior, or to unite with this church, or any other fellowship where you can worship him, wherever you are, can you just raise your hand and wave it to him? He will see you, he will recognize you, and our counselors will work with you. Will work with you. You may put a number on the overhead. You can respond to that number. The pastor, I want to know more. I want to know more. And they will get in touch with you. 0200411866. You can send a message to that number. We'll be sure to get in touch with you. Lord, on this resurrection day, we rededicate ourselves to you as pastors, 
teachers, deacons, shepherds, workers in your vineyard. The resurrection is real. May our lives show by our service and our commitment that it is real. Not only on this day, but forevermore. Amen. <laughs>